0: Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we have Take Him in this first series on the sandwich generation. If you're living in a multi-generational household, you must listen to this series. In today's episode, we'll talk about what exactly is the sandwich generation and what issues are you going to face if you're taking care of both your parents and your own children. In next week's episode, we're talking about six lessons for the sandwich generation. The third episode is about the pros and cons of multi generational living. And the fourth episode, we will discuss tips for living in a multi generational household. This will include things like planning ahead and organizing shared expenses. Are you living in a multi-generational household or considering having your parents move in? Do you take care of aging parents as well as your own children? Do you know someone who's having challenges with caring for their parents? These four episodes may provide some insight and helpful tips. My guest today is a blogger. He writes about navigating the intersection between personal finance and being part of the sandwich generation. Tay and his wife cohabitate with his aging parents while raising their own children and building their careers. But before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. If you are signing up for Medicare for the first time, you know how confusing it can be. This step-by-step guide is absolutely free and will help you easily make the transition into Medicare. Get it free at medicarequick.com slash checklist. And best yet, I'm the founder of Medicare Quick and I love helping people just like you with their Medicare. Okay, I'm not going to make you wait any longer, let's go ahead and bring on Tay Kim. Thank you so much for coming on the show to tell your story. What happened that made you decide to move your parents in with you and your wife, Tay?
1: Hi, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Um, So, yes, my wife and I, we've been living with, uh, we've been cohabiting with our parents for about six years now. So uh, what triggered it uh, was actually when we, when my wife was pregnant with our first so we have two kids, uh, a boy and a girl. They're pretty young, they're five and three. And uh, when my wife was pregnant with our son, uh, as with any young parents, we were trying to figure out what to do with childcare. Um, should we try to get an in-house nanny? Should we try to drive to grandparents and drop them off? And my father actually, he approached us and said, "Hey, uh, I know you guys are thinking about wanting to get a house. We can help out with the down payment, but we come with a house. <laughs> and and um, it was kind of, you know, we were, we were in this uh, decision making process and my parents as well. I mean, it was an opportunity for them to lower their housing costs as well as, you know, be able to spend time with the grandkids and help us out. So it just kind of happened. I don't think any of us really planned it. I think we were just at a decision point in our lives where it just worked out for the both of us. I mean, if you told us we would still be here six years later, uh, I'm not sure if we would have believed it. But uh, it's uh, thankfully it's worked out. So I mean, they've they've really have enjoyed spending time with the grandkids, of course, and then for us. It's really helped out, helped us out as regards to being able to go real hard uh, and full time with our careers. Because uh, when you have young kids, the mornings can be pretty hectic, getting the kids up and ready, and dressing them, getting them fed. So, with my parents being there, um, that really helped out with just being able to focus on our careers as well as for my parents, not only be able to spend time with the grandkids, but just being able to minimize their overall housing cost. So.
0: Now, your parents didn't really, like, they didn't need care themselves, right? They just, you it was mostly more of a cost savings kind of arrangement. Yes. Or...
1: So my wife and I were um, in our 30s, I'm 38, my wife is 34. So our parents are uh, still fairly, uh, they're, I think my mom, she just turned 69. My dad, he's 71. So they're uh, pretty healthy still. Um so they they weren't in need of any care care right. it was more of helping them with their overall housing cost uh I think just the just the fact you know housing is one of the most expensive costs so then as long as they can minimize that, it really helped out with uh they only have to really focus on their their just spending expenses so
0: okay, so your parents are probably my my listeners they're probably the same age as mm-hmm. My listeners are probably somewhere in the age between 62, some are a little younger, but the main, the main age, as I would say, is between 62 and 72. So let's look at it from that perspective, you know, because my, Mm -hmm. my listeners don't have small children. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm your parent. And the reason why I came to you with this suggestion was because. Basically, I'm coming up with the down payment, and you're paying the monthly, the monthly mortgage. Or how is how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so it actually happened interestingly. So my uh, father purchased the home about two years prior to us cohabiting. So he was able to uh, purchase a home for a short sale. Um, this was like back in 2010 after the, the financial crisis. Great, and he knew we were looking for a home but it was a stretch for us. We live in Southern California and uh, housing prices are pretty crazy here. I know. I
0: just moved from San Diego.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty crazy over here. And for us, we were only about, you know, a few years into our careers, just, um, just getting, uh, just kind of getting our own footing. So uh, it would have taken us a while to save up for a home. So, for my parents, uh, their their proposal was, "Hey, we've we put in the down payment in this house. Um, why don't you guys take over the mortgage to so refinance we, we the home under our name, to transfer the title, and then and with the caveat that but we come with the home and you um, take care of all of the all of the housing, the mortgage, all the utility costs. Um, uh, they help out with the um, the phone bill and electric bill, but we cover everything else. So it really minimizes their you know overall." overall expenses as regards to like mortgage and property tax. So yeah, I mean I think it was a combination. There's a culture component too. So my my wife and I were were Korean. Uh, I came from Korea when I was eight. Mm-hmm. So in the in the Asian culture, it's not abnormal to see multi-generational household when you uh, when you when you when you see families in Korea, not so much anymore, but back in the days, I mean it was very normal actually for uh for you to see three generation under one household um i think for just uh you know it takes a village to raise kids as well as it just makes uh makes more you know financially optimal sense mm-hmm. when you can share those costs across the board so i think with my parents it's a combination of uh you know you guys can take over the mortgage so we don't have to worry about it anymore we get to help you out with your down payment as well as we get to spend time with grandkids that you know if uh, if you guys are living elsewhere, you know, we will only to see them once every couple of weeks or a month or so, whereas so, they see them every day now. So
0: Right. Okay. So basically, though, in the beginning, it was completely financial. You're doing it yeah. so you can get a house. They're doing it so they don't have to worry about the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then do you have brothers and sisters?
1: I do. I have an older sister.
0: So what did she think about this situation where you're basically taking part of the inheritance right now?
1: yeah so for her it's interesting because she actually had a similar situation with her husband's parents so she lived with her uh, um, husband's parents for about 10 years in a very similar arrangement i think that was also driven by finances because they live in um southern california as well at the time i didn't really think too much of it i was i was younger Mm -hmm. uh but then reflecting now i mean it was really driven by similar incentives as well so they took over the house that my brother-in-law's parents owned. Do you but think, they cohabited for about 10 years.
0: Do you think it would have been sort of a less optimal situation if your sister hadn't already done this, where she didn't have to worry about the inheritance mm-hmm. because basically they got the inheritance from her husband's parents? How how do you think this dynamic would have changed if you had and they saw you as kind of taking their inheritance or maybe that, that wouldn't have been an issue. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I guess we never really had a clear cut conversation. I think my, when I spoke to my sister, she kind of took it as, well, okay. Like, even though you're getting part of this inheritance, you know, you're, you're going to be, uh, taking care of mom and dad's, you know, majority of the overhead expense. So I think she kind of saw it as like a trade-off as well. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's not coming, you know, for free, but, you know, you, uh, there's a part of, there, there's a cost on our end where, you know, we have to,
0: feed them. cohabit.
1: Oh, I mean, it's not to that. Definitely. I mean, thankfully it's not at that point right now, but then my wife would tell, my wife is the real hero here, but she would definitely say, you know, there's a trade-off to everything. Uh, right. And th- that's the conversation that we have all the time is, we're very thankful that my parents offered, um, to, uh, help, you know, give the down payment for this home that we allow, you know, we can have a home in Southern California, but it's definitely, there's, there's cost to it that she reminds me every day.
0: There's <laughs> um, attached. There's oh,
1: definitely attached. strength attached. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can probably cover it more later as regards to some of the challenges of multi-generational living, but, um, we joke around how, um, like the kitchen is like one of our battlegrounds where oh, yes. like small things like, Oh, you know, the, uh, we always put the kitchen knife here. And then, you know uh, we would tell uh, my wife would tell her mother-in-law like, Oh, you know, can we make sure the knife is here? And then like, for some reason, you know, like it's, it's not there. And then it just like creates this, it just creates this friction.
0: Tension. So Yeah. 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 I can imagine. And was your wife, was your wife born here? Or is she also Korean?
1: She is Korean. Yes. So she was, she has a bit of an interesting background. She was, she was born here in the States uh, in LA to Korean parents, but she grew up in Brazil part of her life. Her dad's a pastor. So he was officiating a, a, a small Korean church in Rio de Janeiro. So she spent a good uh, amount of her teens there. But when she was here, she, and one of the reasons why we also discussed when my dad first approached us about, Hey, how have you thought about cohabitation? one of the reason why my, my wife didn't run out the door was because she also grew up with her grandmother and she saw the benefit of, you know, being loved, not just by your parents, but also by grandparents. So I think that for us really, we, we understood the benefits of that, that our children, you know, that they can be in a household where it's not just their parents, but they can also be loved by two other people. I mean, that just, it's just a win-win. So.
0: Right. Of course. And was it your understanding that the grandparents would also help with childcare, or is that not? Was that not part of the deal? They'll just be grandma, grandma and grandpa, and hand the kid back, and you can get a babysitter when you're at work. How how did that arrangement?
1: Yeah, so that was actually part of the discussion. So as, as I mentioned earlier, one of the trigger points was us trying to figure out what childcare was going to look like. When we started cohabiting together, uh, having your grandmother, you, you trust someone you trust your mother much more than, you know, a stranger
0: that you hire.
1: So the fact that she was there, we actually did hire uh, a helper for her just because, you know, it had been physically hard for her to take care of an infant. But then just the fact that she was there kind of watching over everything, I think gave us a lot of comfort. So that definitely was a huge benefit of living together because or else then we we would have been scrambling in the morning to... either have an in-house nanny or right, like try to drop, drop the kids off at a, uh, at a different location.
0: And your mom was the in-house nanny cam.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In-house nanny cam.
0: Um, Right. You don't have to worry about somebody abusing your, your child when your mom is right there, you know, right. Right. Yeah. What's going on. So do you have care right now? Like what if mom and dad, you know, they can't do it. They're getting older you know what what arrangements is what's going on right now with the children
1: yeah so thankfully the kids are a little bit older now they're three and five so they go to preschool and kindergarten uh so my parents they help out with dropping them off and picking them up on on the days that we're not here but because they're not having to watch them all day Mm -hmm. uh it's not as physically draining so it's really just helping out with that morning and the afternoon but for us, I mean, that's a huge help because both my wife and I, I have a nine to five corporate job. My wife is a nurse, so she has pretty, she has days when she has to leave the house pretty early and come back home pretty late. She does the 12-hour shifts. So just the fact that someone can, uh, when the kids wake up, help with just dressing them, feeding them, dropping off at school and picking them up. that I mean, that's a huge help for us as regards to being able to focus on our careers right now. Because it would be really challenging. Like I tried, I think uh, when my parents weren't here for about a week, I tried dropping them off and picking them up. And it was just <laughs> so stressful because I'm like, all right, kids, like you got to, you know, you got to make sure you like eat your cereal by like 8.30. And kids never listen, right? So right, of course. like, all right, I got to get on a conference call at like 9.30. Like you have to do this. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm just placing it on the kids. I'm not my full self when I show up at work. So it's just, I'm like, oh my goodness, like it, this is, I don't know how some parents do it. It's, it's pretty amazing. So the fact that we have in-house, you know, support to be able to take care of those logisticals, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's really enabled us to be able to focus on our careers.
0: That's great. Now, have you and your family had the conversation because a lot of my listeners, they're sandwich generation too, but they are, Mm -hmm. they are caring for what you would call your grandparents. Right. and their children who might still be in college at the same time right, right. Yep, yep. so are your grandparents still living
1: no my uh on my actually in both sides they my uh my grandmother my mom said she just passed about a year ago oh,
0: I'm, was sorry. 90. I'm sorry to hear that oh. did did your parents or your in laws take care of their parents uh you know, while you were, did you see your parents or your in-laws taking care of their parents?
1: Yeah. So my, uh, my uncle, my mom's younger brother, he, they, they still live in Korea. So they, he was the primary person that took care of my grandmother, uh, until she passed away. They actually, what, when she turned 85, she had a hard time moving around. So they actually Moved there to an assisted living home nearby their place in Korea, so I I've heard uh, and I and I spoke to my uncle about him being the primary person, and, and he's in his early fifties. So I think it's kind of similar to the the listeners that you were talking about, where he has to take care of his mother who was in her eighties, uh, and then he also had uh, two daughters who were right at the college age. So he was he was kind of managing the college tuition and. Uh, um, the cost with the assisted living as well. So I'm not I'm not sure in Korea how much of the support comes from the government as regards to assisted living and how much has to be out of pocket. But I'm sure, you know, there was expense that he had to cover for. But he was definitely the primary person that... Um,
0: that had to uh, bear the load.
1: Yes. And my mom, you know, she, she always joked around how... Um, so it's a funny story. Uh, my mom was born in 1950, right at the start of the Korean War.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So people who grew up, who were born during that time in Korea, had to go through this kind of period of poverty in Korea. So her and her younger brother are 16 years apart. So my mom would always joke around how she couldn't believe that her mom would give birth when she was 16 to another child when they were barely being able to feed themselves. But then years later, she's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so thankful for my brother, because if it wasn't for him, I don't know, like, who would take care of who would take care of grandma.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So So. have you had the conversation with your sister and your parents? What happens when you are in your uncle's situation? Your Mm -hmm. parents need help and your kids need help. And by the way, the U.S. Medicare does not cover they don't cover assisted living.
1: Mm. So
0: have you had that conversation yet? And and if not, when do you think you're going to have that conversation? <laughs> yeah.
1: So we haven't had a conversation yet. We're trying to take it one step at a time. I guess, yeah, I haven't had a conversation with my sister or my parents yet as regards to what things will look like 10 years, 15 years from now. I think this is where my wife and I have a lot of conversations as regards to we know there's going to be a time when um, our, one of our parents are going to need more, um, more support than right now. I mean, right now it's, they're, they're really helping us out and we're very thankful for that. So the, uh, the mindset that we have is uh, currently, let's try to focus on our careers, let's try to save as much as we can so we can be best positioned financially so that one of us needs to take time off from work or needs to transition into, you know, providing more support at home, that we are in a position we can do that. That's how we're approaching it. As we are kind of this in, the, in the midst of our peak earning years and, you know, we're healthy and we can work. Let's try to really push as hard as we can, take advantage of the fact that, you know, my parents are still healthy. So that later on, when my parents do need more support at home, that we are in a position where we don't have to compromise, but we can do that. So I think that's that's kind of how we're approaching it right now.
0: That's great. Now, you are you a FIRE blogger?
1: Not specifically.
0: Okay. No. And for the audience, I've mentioned this before, but in case this is the first time you've listened to the show, FIRE is typically the younger generation, and it stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. Mm-hmm. And some of the FIRE bloggers don't believe in the retire early part, but they really right. drive for the... FI part, financially independent. And I've been telling these fire bloggers that somebody needs to write an article titled, if your parents aren't financially independent, neither Mm -hmm. are you. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So just for the listener, there's an article written by Dana Larson called what is the sandwich generation. And it talks about, some of the things that you need to consider now for the listener of this show, we're, we're not in Tay's situation. You know, we're, we're more in his parents situation. And for most of us who weren't born in a foreign country, moving, having our parents move back in with us or moving in with our parents is kind of a foreign thought, you know, Mm -hmm. should I do that? But more and more people are, Cohabitating with their parents, and in Tay's situation, it wasn't because the parents needed help. It's because it was a financial arrangement, which has sounds to me, Tay. It's grown into something more, more than just financial. So, mm-hmm. have there been any other um, benefits besides just the the financial and having that built in childcare?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest benefit that we've seen year to year as our children has gotten older is just their relationship with their grandparents. So what's funny is, with our son, we had a really hard time with the sleeping arrangement. You know, we, we went through the whole, we we, we joke around. So it because my kids are five and three, we feel like we just kind of, kind of came out of that survival phase. Like, my daughter just got potty trained and right. <laughs> but like, it wasn't like we, we joke around like, oh, how's parenting? I was like, no, we weren't parenting. We were just surviving. We were just right. like, we just got, we just got out of uh, that survival mode. So with, with my son, he, we had a hard time with his sleep, sleeping arrangement. We, we had his own nursery room and he was sleeping in the crib. But when we tried to transition out of the crib into his own bed, he just wouldn't have it. And what he would do is actually run into grandpa's room. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm sleeping here. I'm and then, you know, for my wife and I, we're like, we got to go to work tomorrow. Like, I, I, we just, we, this is just not working out. And grandpa was like, you know, I let him just sleep here. It's fine. And it's, that was like three years ago. So he's been sleeping with grandpa this whole time.
0: What does grandma think and- about that?
1: She's she, they're very chill about it thankfully. They're just like, you know, uh, Did you do uh,
0: that when you were little? Did you want to sleep with them the whole, you know, and then they is that normal for them to sleep with the child?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess culturally, uh I did grow up where it was normal for, you know, uh several of us to be you know, sleeping in one room. Yeah, in Korea I remember doing that. I came when I was 8. So when I was young, I remember sleeping with grandpa or with my parents and that was normal. But here in the States, you know, it's um,
0: not, it's, as uh, you, hmm? it's not as normal here, for sure. Right. It's not as
1: normal here. But then I, I think it, what we weren't really, really even thinking culture. We were just like, we just got to survive. Like, we just need to go to sleep. And thankfully, the grandparents were cool with it. So what's what's been great is just being able to see the interaction between my son and my father just kind of seeing uh, their relationship, like their are BFFs now, best friends. So yeah, I I think that has been probably the most rewarding part is that knowing our children will grow up with these great memories with their grandparents compared to if we were living, even if we were living the same city, we would have to make these special arrangements to go and see grandparents. And it's not as natural versus this is just very organic and very natural. So I think that has been, something that we didn't, I mean, we knew subconsciously, but just seeing it, I think it has been, uh, that has been the most rewarding.
0: Wow. So there's benefits to you, the children, and to the grandparents as well.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. And I think with grandparents, I've definitely noticed with my parents, it's challenging, I think, from my perspective to see your parents when, you know, when you're younger, that, you know, my dad was always strong. And then to see him in his 50s, 60s, and 70s get weaker and weaker, uh, that, hey, he's not as strong. But when they're with grandchildren, you just kind of see the sense of liveliness that just they can be children again. And just the sense of energy that just increases just being around younger children who are so energetic.
0: Not only that, but your children get to see... What happens that, you know, here in the United States, and you, you probably moved here before you got to see your grandparents age, mm-hmm. you said your uncle really took care of your, grandparents. Yep, yep. they will see them age. And so it won't be such like here, we tend to lock away our, our elders.
1: Mm, and
0: yes. We send them somewhere. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. There's, are somewhere else. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not with us. And so mm-hmm. maybe it will be less stressful for your son to watch you grow old.
1: Right. right.
0: For you to watch your dad get
1: old. Right. It
0: will be more yeah. natural for him.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was interesting because when I was reading this article that you mentioned by Dana Larson, they talked about that happiness factor of the, uh, the sandwich generation that, the happiness rates among who are not part of the salt generation, sandwich generation are about the same as they are. Actually, I think it was like slightly more. It said 31% report being very happy with their lives, and additional additional 52% are pretty happy. And then those who are not said that 20 20% are very happy, and 51% are pretty happy. So I thought it was interesting that you know, I think there's this uh belief that if you're part of the sandwich generation, there's this. Uh, in that is stress that comes with it. So then you're less happier. But I think there are kind of like what we mentioned, there are these uh, other benefits that comes with um, being a standard generation, being able to take care of, feeling like you're taking care of um, uh, the younger ones and your aging parents. Uh, so I think it's it's not just all on one side of like, oh, this, this is so stressful, but such, such as like my wife and I, as we see, our the happiness that my children derive and my parents derive from being together, I think that helps to offset a lot of the other challenges
0: that that is good to know absolutely good to know i am um, I really appreciate your coming on the show, and in a future episode, we're going to talk about some of the stressors, like for example, that your wife might be feeling mm-hmm. um, how now I know that my audience might not be your audience, but If anybody in my audience wants to read your blog, how can they find you?
1: Yes, you can find me at financialtortoise.com.
0: Financialtortoise.com. Yes. That might be fun for the listener to watch uh, Tay and his wife as they become financially independent. Go to financialtortoise.com. And of course, I'll have a link to that. In the show notes as well. Is there anything that you want to say, Tay, before we say goodbye until the next episode?
1: No, I think we covered a lot of things here. Thank you for uh, having me.
0: Great. And for the listener, thank you. And we'll see you next time in the Rock Your Retirement Show. Hey, 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 before this show is over, I just wanted to thank Glenna Davis, for supporting me on Patreon. She's giving us $5 per month to support the show. Thank you so much, Glenna. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show, just head on over to rockyourretirement.com slash support and you can be a supporter too. Thanks.